Hey there film fans and welcome to another Spotlight episode of The Real Take. This week I feel like I need to put a warning out before you listen to this episode. So be warned, we're going somewhere strange into the caverns of Ross Leahy's mind. A place where a tiny kid can simply cash a million dollars without anyone questioning it. This kid can, although only 12, decide to hang out with a limo driver all day and spend said money. So far, so creepy. And if that's not enough, shady behaviour by adults in this movie, this 12-year-old kid falls in love, yes, in love, with an adult woman. Yes, this week for our Spotlight episode, we are shining a light on Ross Leahy's strange childhood as we rewatch Blank Check. Let's roll titles. Sit down and grab a glass. Sinead Ross and Niall have made a podcast. It's the real take, breaking it down. Having fun and talking movies. Da 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 da, talking movies. From Walt Disney Pictures, this morning Preston Waters got something. Who's on my bike? Give that check to your dad. He'll know what to do with it. That's going to change his life. Yeah. Now he's buying more stuff. You have a house. Meeting more women. Baby brother comes into his own. And stopping three crooks. What a get you, kid! From taking all of his money. This needs blank check. Now playing at a theater near you. Check newspaper for showtimes. Yes, it is the podcast by film fans for film fans. Although I'm really calling all of that into question as I say this, because this week. We're talking about blank check. Ross Lee, he, you're, you just need to explain yourself here. What on earth is going on with you? Do we need to have a hey, chat? Hey, hey, Ross. Uh, Ross, mm. are you okay? You okay, buddy? Do you, do you want to have a soda? You okay? <laughs> Before I get into this, I must say, um, look, it's not entirely the movie you presented it to be in the introduction. Because, <laughs> because first of all, he's not a 12-year-old child. He's 11. So that, that changes makes it so the whole much perception better. of it. Yeah. What do you mean? Why did I pick this movie? Well, firstly, it's like we're looking for spotlight movies. It, it can be hard sometimes. It's what I tend to do when I'm looking for a spotlight movie is I look for one that maybe you know at least one of you guys haven't hasn't seen before, and that's really difficult to do because <laughs> every movie I've seen, at least one of you two have seen. So. I was happy. I was thinking of a couple of titles that I'm showing out, and I was happy to learn that one of my favorite childhood movies was in that category. Um, I think it was Sinead. You hadn't seen it, right? Yeah, I had not. No, you had seen it. I had seen it, and uh, on my eyeballs after I clawed them out, uh, grew back. <laughs> so I got wow. to watch it again. <laughs> oh, look at you! <laughs> I'm not sure yeah. when I've saw I've seen it. I've, it probably uh, showed up on TV. And I watched it with one of my younger siblings, and yeah. But look, please, I don't want to yuck your yum. Yes. Because you, if yes. this is a a film that means a lot to you, of course. Let's yeah. just say we'll have an intervention off off pod later <laughs> on, and we'll talk about it. <laughs> we can have a bit of a, a bit of a chat after. Let me just go through a little bit for anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, what it's about. Uh, so we went back to a, a different time. <laughs> call it, back in 1994 and uh, and blank check and it's spelled the American way check C-H-E-C-K for anyone searching for this on Disney plus where it is actually now streaming 
But um, yeah, this is oh, a movie you rush, look I watched. Rush out and see it, everybody. Rush out <laughs> and see it. <laughs> rush out um, of your house in case somebody puts it on in your house so you don't have to watch it. Don't. For, the most important thing is don't listen to Niall if you haven't seen this movie. He's just bitter that as a child he didn't get a blank check for a million dollars. Well, it wouldn't, a blank check and then filled in for a million dollars. Anyway, it's semantics. So this was a movie as a kid I just watched over and over and over again. And I absolutely love it. And it was a movie I was really, really happy to go back and get a chance to watch again. Uh, let's just say there's a, a couple of things we would probably have to talk about <laughs> with this movie. There's so many things, so many things. A bit later on. Uh, but the basic premise of this movie is basically a boy, uh, a young boy, 11, you know, soon to be 12 year old, gets a blank check and he uses it to get a million dollars. I wonder what that would look like. That's the basic premise of, of the movie. Uh, it's directed by Rupert Wainwright, not to be confused with Rufus Wainwright. Um, and he is a director. He's mainly known for directing music videos for the likes of NWA and MC Hammer. And not really known for movies so much. Um, but a person who is known for movies uh, is Blake Snyder, who was one of the writers of this movie. And... Um, like he this is a guy who wrote the book on screenplays literally he's a save the cat trilogy of books on screenwriting and story structures and that is is one of the most popular writing mentors uh he makes him one of the most popular writing mentors in, in the film industry but to go back and to give you a little bit more depth to to the the, the plot of the movie so the film opens with sorry Miguel i'm sorry did you, say, plus. did you say depth <laughs> and plus sorry <laughs> I was hoping. Oh, right. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah. I see what you did there. <laughs> Let's take a deep dive into the complicated plot of Blank Check from 1994. <laughs> um, so the the movie, we open with our bad guy. He's uh, played by Miguel Ferrer. George Clooney's uh, cousin. So, yes. Yeah, yeah, very true. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice is, bit of uh, trivia. There you go. Um, so it opens with Miguel Ferrer. He's playing the villain. This called Carl Quigley, um, and he's just escaped from prison. And he's running off the tra- railway tracks where he finds an abandoned warehouse where he is actually stored away a little nest egg from his illegal activities, and that's a suitcase with a million dollars in it. So yes, this is what I couldn't remember when I rewatched it. This is the film that came out the same year as this, The Shawshank Redemption. This is a soft reboot of that. Isn't it? <laughs> it's what happened to Andy Dufresne, although he had to change his name to Carl Quigley after he escaped from prison. Okay. In an alternate universe, a multiverse, if you will. It's very hot at the in, moment with Spider-Man. In which and in which Andy was also very guilty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and so in another part of the town, I think it's it's, it's set in Indiana. I think it was filmed in Austin, Texas, but I, I think it was set in Indiana. But we're, we're introduced to an 11 year old uh, boy called Preston Waters. He He's played by Brian uh, Bonzel. And um, he he's a little kid that kind of resents the fact that he doesn't really get that much pocket money. Like um, his older brothers, uh, who like all older brothers are, are, are shit. Uh, sorry, Warren. Uh, but they've set up this kind of small company and they're enjoying you know, the extra bit of money that it affords them. Uh, but being older brothers, they very much like to, to rub it in their brother's face. Uh, it doesn't help that they have kind of commandeered his room as well to put their office let's say um so they're not only are they rubbing the fact that they have more money in his face they're also invading his privacy 
Um, another thing which doesn't help is that his father, who's who's played by uh, uh, that guy, uh, James Reborn, is is really trying to promote an entrepreneurial spirit in his younger son and try to make himself uh, trying to make him trying to make it himself instead of kind of relying on handouts, which is a good attitude, I guess, if the child was like. 16 or 17 instead of yeah. you know 11 <laughs> where it's <clears throat> illegal for a child to work um and not in but, america uh, they'd be doing paper boy routes and everything true true yeah. true fair enough maybe he's just trying to promote that for him but uh but look the lack of disposable income say has has led to some embarrassing situations for him um you know he like there's a, a school pal's birthday party. Well, I say a school pal, he actually gives him a bit of a hard time. He's more of a bully, actually. He's actually a piece yeah, of shit. I mean, think about yeah, it. Kid. Well, I mean, in fairness, like Preston doesn't have a lot of friends. That's one of the things about this film. Yeah, yeah like, I mean, talk about like false advertising. On the front of this, he looks like kind of a cool kid. He does. So think he looks like a, a, an 11 year old Ferris Bueller. He does. He's got a total door. full of money. And maybe we can talk about, well, obviously not you, Ross, because you think this is one of the best films ever made. But myself and <laughs> Sinead could talk Hip-hop about theme. where, where, uh, where Blake Schneider. The, yeah, where is he? Who, who, as you say, literally wrote the book on screenwriter, screenwriting went wrong with yeah. this. And I think maybe one of the things would be if we saw more of, of Preston interact with his with his friends and maybe when he got the money, yeah. you know, he, he, he spent more time with them. And then... Kind of like a Richie Rich vibe. Yeah, and then, but then also found out maybe that money isn't what gets your friends. I think one of the problems, uh, and I don't know where Blake Schneider, who, like we say, literally wrote the book on screenwriting when he wrote Save the Cat and its its sequels, what what he was thinking with this, because one of I think one of the things that would make this film better is if we saw more interaction between Preston and his his quote-unquote friends because he doesn't seem to have any friends and you like you say he has to kind of hang out with this uh this limo driver he has to pay him to hang out with him he's got yeah. to pay uh well he doesn't have to pay her but you know he ends up having like the big relationship is with this 32 year old <laughs> bank teller yeah. which mm. we can get into as well but mm. you know if if there were a group of of school friends that you know you <clears throat> saw maybe him go through uh what would you say a a, a journey and realize yeah. that yeah. thinking that maybe if he had all this money he could have all these friends and then realizing no it's not the money that makes the friends it's the friendship that makes the friends yeah that probably would have been a welcome addition to it as well um like even we saw that in big where he had a little friends that was kind of the insider who knew what was happening and i feel like that might have helped prop up this movie a little bit mm. um but um yeah, we we see the bully we we're talking about earlier on, and again, it's probably one of the only school, you know, school, not friends is the right word, but schoolmates or whatever, who's in the movie, and it, it's him who actually puts the puts the um, the plot into action because he steals a check that Preston has received off his grandmother in advance of his birthday, uh, and when Preston chases him on his bike, that's where he meets our bad guy Quigley because Quigley, you know, reverses his car and, and drives over his bike. And, uh, you know, Quigley's now kitted up. He's a nice suit and a nice car. And um, he's about to write uh, a check to just get rid of the kid and the attention the situation is bringing. And then he sees a cop kind of close by. So he's just looking to get the hell out of there. He hands the kid uh, a blank check, telling him, look, your dad will know what to do with this. And then he he uh, 
he gets the fuck out of dodge, <laughs> basically. But uh, with this, Preston sees his chance, uh, and you know, to get out of his financial, uh, you know, situation, and with the help of his, you know, early '90s Macintosh, as they were called at the time, Apple computers, he makes out the check for a million dollars, which I think is over ambitious. I think he starts off putting two hundred dollars, then a thousand dollars, and he says, you know what? A million dollars. <laughs> yeah, go for broke. Um, and I love the arrogance of a kid going. You know what? I'm 11. I'm going to turn up to a bank with a, a check of a million dollars and hope it'll go well. But thankfully for him, it does go well because quickly. Suspend your disbelief, people. <laughs> Leave it at the door. Well, I remember thinking this is. I remember when I was a kid thinking, well, this is stupid. But now when I rewatch it, I think they actually explained away things quite nicely because quickly had visited the bank the day previously and he told the bank manager, look, you're ever, you were a witness and you put me away for a couple of years. I'm going to launder money through you. So I'm giving you the million dollars. And um, tomorrow I'm going to get someone in to arrive to to, to get the guess, laundered an 11, money. 11 year old boy. <laughs> Nobody well, will ever suspect him. Check, he arrives with a check signed by the bad guy at one o'clock or just slightly before one o'clock when, when the bank manager was told he was going to arrive. So, you know. Why I not? love it. I love how, how strong you are standing for this yes, film. Yes. Well, plus, you know, it's not unknown for criminals to acquire the services of uh, children when in, it comes to in, delivering in a, stuff. In a, in a film like this? Is it? <laughs> well, it's, it's a film based, grounded in reality. So, like, drug runners <laughs> use kids the whole time because you can't really sentence them. So yes, this is, gritty, it... this is a gritty, this is a gritty, realistic film. Realistic. Absolutely. CSI. Absolutely. Um, there we go, yeah. And okay. Yeah, so he spends basically the next six days really just recklessly spend, spending the money. And that's pretty much the plot of the movie. Of course, we have our um, we have our bad guy, Quigley. He's hot in the heels to try to catch the kid. He's with the corrupt bank manager, Edward uh, Biderman, who's played by Michael Lerner. And Juice, who was the guy who was originally meant to make the uh, collection, he's played by Tone Locke. And not, not Sinbad. It's Tone Locke. Sinbad was in First Kid. Doesn't look it. a bit like Sinbad. I didn't say he looks like Sinbad. He acts like Sinbad. I have oh, no idea okay. who you're talking about. Yeah. I anyway. don't know who Sinbad is. No. Oh, fantastic. Ross's his next five spotlights are going to be First Kid, <laughs> the other one with that guy, all, all the Sinbad movies. Yeah, all the Sinbad movies. Actually, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Um, so also in the mix there, we have the Canadian comedian uh, Rick Ducommon, uh, uh, who who Niall already mentioned. He's he's present, uh, hired limo driver and, and companion kind of on this spending spree. We have Karen Duffy as well uh, playing Shay Stanley. She's, uh, as Niall said, a fully grown woman who, for <laughs> lack of a better term, plays a love interest for an 11 year old. But we'll get into that a little bit later on. Uh, but when we were first we introduced to. her, we, we definitely do. Yeah, when we were first introduced her, she's uh, like this attractive, flirtatious, quite flirtatious, actually bank teller who, as it turns out, is actually working undercover for the FBI, investigating illegal goings on in the bank. And um, and yeah, I suppose the last character is an unseen character. Uh, it's one that Preston himself creates. Uh, it's kind of a never seen, uh, all well, never seen. Um, Virtual. Mr. McIntosh. Oh, alter, yeah. alter ego. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for him. Alter ego. Because he yeah. can't. He can't, he can't just be an eleven year old going, no. I'm gonna I'm With gonna buy all these things income. he needs. Yeah, no. yeah. 
So he's the rich recluse who has moved into the area and, and it's now, you know, Preston has been hired by him as a bit of a, a helping yeah. hand. So that's, and that's nobody is asking questions. No. Why is my 11 year old working for this reclusive millionaire? Who I've well, never met. <laughs> I suppose, though, if you think about it, you know, nobody really questioned too much. Uh, Kevin McAllister wandering into a hotel and just checking in with a credit card either really no that's true the and 90s. I think I've, I've made it they were really I've made it very clear my problems with with the Home Alone and Kevin McAllister <laughs> and I wonder Ross did you pick this film to prove to me that there are worse children child characters in the ah. in 90s cinema than Kevin McAllister because I certainly think Preston gives gives Kevin a, a run, run for, for his, his money. money in the Oh, uh, you know, nice, nice little pun there. <laughs> Oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't even do it on on purpose. Yeah, I, I think your Preston is a little bit of, a, yeah, a bit of a damn squib, isn't he? Oh, well, God, yeah. well, I mean, certainly the the actor um, Brian Bosnell is is not, or Bonsell, I should say, is mm. is no Macaulay Culkin, but no. I think the character as well is not as well written. Mm. You know, mm. as much as I might make fun of Kevin's sociopathic tendencies. Um, you know, there, he's a fun sociopath. He's a <laughs> he fun is. sociopath. You know, he's mm. one you want to hang around with. Uh, whereas Preston now is a bit more. I don't know. I mean, look, uh, yeah. I can see why this film. Like, what you were young when you saw it, I guess, and I was probably yeah. maybe a teenager. Um, but the like the fundamental problems with it that we kind of talked about there a little bit. Um. You know, you can suspend your disbelief. You can do whatever. Um, but uh, this film is about how money and you should be obsessed with money. Yeah. Really. And I don't know oh, if that's it's such a, a good consumerism movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know if that. Like even more so. Like I think Richie Rich, which we mentioned, which Macaulay Culkin then went on to star in, um, it kind of gets away with it because it's more of a comic book movie. Whereas this one is mm. somewhere in between. This one I think is even more. We talk about... Um, well, you see, don't how... forget in Richie Rich, the real treasure is their family heirlooms. It spoiler is their alert. family heirlooms. You know what I mean? Right. And it's and not the money. Of, they kind of do a bit of that at the end of the movie where he's like, oh, I have everything I need right here. And yeah. it's his shit family. Because his family are <laughs> shit. <laughs> do you know yeah. This movie? yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. And I, I certainly agree with you. I'm not sure what the idea... Because, like, the dad is, is a shit. The brothers are shits. You know, like he has an a man. The man, you know, the the man? man seems okay, but she's, oh, she's also there. a bit. Um, uh, she's a bit. Very, she's very timid or something. She, very passive. You don't really yeah, get much yeah. from her. She never really. See, talks that's I don't even remember that she he had a mom. So there, that'll even tell <laughs> yeah. you. She's not. And really then there. Like, we do like, and that's the difference, I guess. Certainly with the first Home Alone, because we talked about how like the, um, you know, the family is really the whole thing in in, yeah. in Home Alone, um, <laughs> but. Uh, what was I going to say? I was going to say something really incisive about this film that was just going to cut Ross to the quick and make him realise that <laughs> all of the films that he loved as a child are terrible and he needs to be watching much more adult, uh, you know, maybe something from the French yeah, Nouvelle film, Vague. This film gets pretty uh, adult at some stages. <laughs> it does get <laughs> very adult. adult. <laughs> the other thing. So, you know, it, it, like the, the family are terrible. I, I would argue that I don't think the main character learns anything through it. Mm. I I really do. he gets he, away with it. Yeah. yeah. He uh, you know he I mean he had a, has a great time spending all the money. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um and like I say I just wonder if something as simple as putting in some other 
child actors or child characters in there could have given the opportunity maybe to first of all not focus so much on the creepy relationship between the 32 year old FBI agent uh, but also um, allowed the character to have something of a kind of journey you know what I mean because he, right yeah. he, he does yeah, start off yeah he does start off as kind as of well. an unlikable yeah. and yeah yeah and I don't I don't know if I ever get to like same. yeah uh, and the way you said it at the end as well I think the lesson is this is if you're miserable and lonely you're always going to be miserable and lonely even if you have money oh yeah <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, not, yeah it was like okay yeah, yeah, I don't know it what it was. It I, think, I think Niall touched on, 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 on kind of what I'm feeling about it as well. I think that with it, I, I just didn't connect with the actor at all. Like I say, false advertisements, you know what I mean? He looks so cool in the front cover, the front image of it. And then I was like, he's actually a dork and he's kind of annoying. Um, <laughs> But uh, I think, and like that, that's where, like I will argue, like say that... um. Like, uh, like uh, for you, Blank Check is probably your one that you go back to. Like, I do actually love Richie Rich, even though that has a lot of problems as well. But like what Ross is, or what Niall is saying, I think that he is a loner because he is this rich kid that nobody feels that they can relate to him. He doesn't really gel with the kind of stuffy, uptight rich kids. He kind of wants to connect with the uh, kids that are kind of out playing in the, say, lower class neighborhoods. They're playing basketball and stuff like that. And he wants to connect with them. And uh, he feels like he can, you know, invite them over to his cool house and try and win them over with all his cool stuff. But it the lesson that he learns is that his friends are going to be loyal to him no matter what. You can't buy them, you know, and it's what you're saying, Niall, about friendship being about friendship and about being more than just oh I'm going to just like lavish you with money but mm. I think like that I just found it so odd like why is he hanging out with adults and not kids like yeah. it's just so weird like he has I to w- at least have one nerdy friend you know yeah I wonder uh, do you think it would be a better film if he was slightly older or would that make it no, even no, creepier I think, I think when he, right he, he's to... got to be that age okay yeah he's I got to be a kid but right. most, yeah, we, we, everyone's talking this film down now. Can I give it a little bit of <laughs> okay, go on. this movie? This, this is going to be spotlight. We're going to be encouraging people to watch this movie. Yeah, I, I, think, I, think, I think you read the memo wrong. What's the opposite of spotlight? Not lock it in a press and never let it be seen again. That, that's that's what this episode. Lock is. this in the family vault. Don't open yeah, it. As as catchy yeah. a title as that is. All right. So in defense of this movie, what I love more about this movie than possibly the movie itself is the premise of it i love movies that explore the idea of having a shitload of money all of a sudden um, and everyone loves that fantasy and everyone loves to get involved in that fantasy and it's why people buy into you know buy lotto tickets and they look at properties and apartments they could never possibly afford online it's it's such a you know people spend so much of their time they love daydreaming about having massive amount of wealth and uh, if you look at movies like Bruce, Brewster's Millions, um, Richie Rich, which we mentioned, even The Wolf of Wall Street, and, and, and as well as that, all those gangster movies where about the halfway uh, true point, they have more money than they know what to do with. Movies like that, well, certainly in the gangster movies for that part, they're pure wish fulfillment. Oh, wouldn't it be great to have loads of money? I wonder what oh, you would yeah, do. Oh, yeah, no, I, I mean, no. I don't think either of us are saying that the premise is Yeah, the premise a is great. Premise. Yeah. It's that yeah. the execution is, is awful. Is terrible, yeah. yeah. 
And I'm surprised, you know, from for the guy who wrote a book called Save the Cash. You're familiar with where the title comes yeah. from, I guess. Are you? Yeah, which is basically yeah. uh, for people who don't know. Um, you know, in a movie, you have a character save a cat, and yeah. this uh, comes from like you know, you'd have a fireman going up a tree to save a cat in old time uh, TVs. My favorite one, of course, is Superman the movie, where Superman saves a cat from a tree. Not that we need to like Superman anymore, but it does just reinforce. <laughs> it it makes the audience even more like this character, and this is where this film really falls down. In that there's nothing to like about this character. No, I mean there is a little bit, like you say, he's not happy, he's lonely, his parents are not well, his dad certainly is not nice, his brothers aren't nice, but you know. Kevin McAllister as well had had you know he had a lot of sibling difficulties, but his mother loved him, his dad loved him, you know, um, and I just it just seems it's nearly like the premise is so is so clever that they came up and was like, what if a kid had a million dollars? What would he do? And then it was like, I'll write this in the weekend. And then it was like, oh, it's Sunday. I've got to send it. I've got to email. It. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he but, learned but nothing, and me, everything was fine. You, are you telling me that you didn't have a good time watching this movie? I wouldn't call it a good time. No. <laughs> really? Yeah, and like, well, you see, for know. me, don't forget, I don't have any rose-tinted glasses for this because I'm watching this for the first time, like, this yeah, week. Yeah, as a first-time viewer, surely. Uh, no. And I'm no, all for, like, I'm all I... for, you know, young kids getting up to mischief and lots of money and all that kind of crack. Mm. I am all for that. Like Niall is saying, yeah, definitely. I just think I just was freaked out by why he was hanging out with adults, why there was an older woman like kissing him. Now, I know it's kind of it's not what everyone's making out like they don't make out in it, but like. She does kiss him on the lips a bit. She goes mm. far too far, yeah. really, for what's appropriate. What's appropriate, yeah. 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 And yeah. Um, it's just a bit, yeah, there's a lot where yeah. I was just like, I'm but really unsettled by this. What's wrong, that's a what's real wrong with Ross? Part of that movie as well. And it's, I think in recent years, that scene in particular has, has yeah. kind of resurfaced time and time it's again. Age, yeah. Um, yeah, when, especially, I, I think when it was originally streaming on Netflix, it kind of people were talking about it once again and i think um a couple of people online were, were kind of criticizing it in the last couple of years uh, um which makes sense because like it is like karen duffy who plays the uh who plays the fbi agent was 31 as, as was said already and um you know Pre- the character who plays the guy who plays Preston was, was 11 and it's, it's a kiss on the mouth but uh, you know it reminds me of the kind of messed up relationship between Tom Hanks and Elizabeth Perkins in Big. You know, now hang on she, now. Well, hold Come on, on she now. Effect, but she effectively in that movie sleeps with a child. But like she doesn't then know again, he's in the body of a man. Come on now. He's in the body of an adult Tom Hanks and she doesn't know, you know, he was a child at yeah. the time. So That's yeah. what's so she heartbreaking find, about that movie when she drops him off and he returns to his regular size and his oversized man clothes and he looks at her and you're the yearning. I mean, seriously. And she yeah, just but she has doesn't, this she doesn't go, oh then. my God, I had sex with a child and she doesn't immediately get sick. That's Oh, well, she, well, well I'm sure she, she would have does, I'm sure. In the yeah. 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 Um, I mean, that, to be honest with you, that is something, again, we often talk about. If this film was being made today, they, they wouldn't have that in it either. Well, the, no. you know. if you look at a movie like Crazy Stupid Love, which was out a few years ago, I'm not sure Love when that exactly. Movie. 2010s, a good, a good movie too, but yeah. uh, Leo Tipton, who's playing like a older high school uh, on the verge of graduation type student, she gives an envelope of, of new pictures to a young boy who's 
probably around the same age as Preston in this movie. So yeah, and I you don't know, honestly. Yeah. If they were remaking that again, I don't think they'd put I don't it think in. They I do think that. things things have changed. Like yeah. even mm. in the last like four or five years, not even that long, two or three yeah. years. So I think people are more conscious, or filmmakers are more and conscious now. Right, so that, rightly so. That will work I, or not. I would say yeah. with stuff like that. Yeah. But even before, even before like the the kiss, which is a real. Um, you know, point of contention with that. The the way she's acting around Brendan, uh, Brandon is is completely um, Preston or, even or, around Preston. Sorry, is completely inappropriate and improper for like a grown woman. She's kind of acting flirtatious, and mm. it makes me feel a little bit ill watching it. Um, I think uh, that that's down to the director, isn't it? Yeah, even more so than yeah. we've given we've given the the writer, the screenwriter, a bit of. A bit of uh, flack here, but I think that's down to the director. I don't think, I I don't. I mean, I don't know because I wasn't on the set. But I I think mm. it, she would have been as a as a performer or an actor rather. She would have been more kind of well. How should I play this? And the director would be going, I want you to really go in here and and yeah, up this yeah, this rotation. Yeah. And that's that's not I think what the movie needed certainly. The thing about it is, like, since I suppose a lot of people are, have been revisiting this movie since it's it's now on on Disney, um, there's been like calls for it to be cancelled and stuff like that, which you know was nonsense. Obviously, no one should cancel anything because that's just wrong and silly. Um, but I'm very surprised that Disney, who streamed the movie, haven't mm. you know removed the film or indeed even just the kissing scene because they want to be seen as holier than thou. I'm glad they didn't, but I, there was a funny thing. Like, watching the movie, they sometimes have little notifications like, oh, contains violence, contains, you know, whatever scenes in it. And at the start, the only warning was tobacco depictions. <laughs> because wow. Miguel uh, Ferreira smokes a couple of cigars in the movie. And they didn't mention anything about the really inappropriate relationship. It's yeah. hard to put that into a into a two line disclaimer, though. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, you're like Make because I mean, say it's a I'll be yeah. honest with you. I I think there is, uh, like you say, it's it's not so much even about the kiss. It's about her behavior before that. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense, which yeah. point which frames it in a different. When you come to that scene, it frames it in a different way. But, yeah, because um, if it was like sort of, if she had been a sort of a like i don't know like a teacher or i yeah. don't know that like maybe that kind of surrogate mom kind of role it might have been depicted slightly differently you know mm. but she's very yeah. flirt it's just so weird it's so it odd is. it's so and, and you, you hear sometimes when when you look at films from the past and i like, go oh, that's mad but it was a different time yeah even in 1994 you know or People any time are going, before that this what's was going never, on there yeah, yeah exactly yeah. So that that was a, a bit weird. Um, um, it must have been. Can I ask I'd Ross? Say. Have Have you mm. seen a film? Because I always kind of conflate them in my head. A film from two thousand and two. Now you were probably too cool for kids' movies at that stage. <laughs> uh, called Big Fat Liar. Have you seen that one? Is that, that your man from Mankin, Malcolm in the Middle? Frankie. It is. Yeah, Frankie. Muniz I thought Amanda that Bynes. this was this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. I do kind of mix them up because yeah. it's all. It's also. Now this is directed by Sean Levy, Big Fat Liar, who went on to do all the Night at the Museum movies, and like I say, has Frankie Muniz a little bit older than cooler. Than this can we just yeah, say straight bit, away? But he's also cooler. he's also turning around on the cover on the yeah. poster with his with his sunglasses down. Yeah, um, and it uh, Paul Giamatti is in here as he plays a Hollywood producer who steals an essay or a class paper. 
uh, from the Frankie Muniz character and turns it into a, sp uh, a big movie and nobody believes that that you know this kid could have written this so he goes out and tries and gets revenge on him um and uh yeah in my head it's a long time since i've seen it it's a better film than this and i don't oh, know yeah I I've, don't think I, I've seen it i've seen I've, i remember clearly seeing the blue paul jim addy looking like a smurf yes. but besides yeah. that i i can't I, I don't have any memory of seeing it so i mustn't have must have just caught it no and like i say it was 2002 you're probably a bit too cool you're going mm. out and drinking cider in the by the ramparts listen like to the corn <laughs> <laughs> yeah i did see i did see big fat liar as well and like that you see because i'm a massive fan of malcolm in the middle as well i think that probably had a lot to do with it but um yeah it is now i'd still it's still not like a wonderful like oh isn't it a great oh, movie no, of course no not. absolutely not but it's it's definitely a lot better than this and i think yeah it's just like quite key elements you know the casting the storyline is better um you know now not much better you know it's 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 grand like it's passable um but like that it's 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 missing this he's interacting with his peers a lot more as well than preston is you know mm. um and yeah i don't know i think i i would say and i don't normally say this and you're going to be shocked by this i would say remake this movie you guys remake it remake yeah, it Hollywood. Netflix are you listening Netflix. yeah 100% remake it and yeah, it see where you go with be. it you know well I, I mean I, I can see why young Ross in his pajamas no, on no, a Sunday it's... want to, you know and I can see what you enjoyed about it then I think the premise is great I just think the execution like I say is not fantastic I also think as well a big difference between this and Home Alone uh, Miguel Ferrer, who is a fantastic actor, who, again, I think never got the uh, recognition or the part. Like, he, he has been in loads of stuff, but mm. he never really, like, you can't say, oh, he was brilliant in that film. And this is not a film where you go, he's brilliant in it. But I also think he's very scary in this film. Like, for, a, yeah. for where he should be doing, I think, something more along the lines. And I think Michael Lerner and Tone Loke are doing something a little bit more like the Wet Bandits. Like yes. there are bits of this where you kind of go, I don't want him to catch him. What's going on? Oh my God, he's going to shoot him in the head when he finds him. Yeah. I don't know. I thought his performance was good because I think sometimes in kids movies they can go a bit to it. Oh no, I fell and I slipped and all that sort of thing and it can get a bit yeah. silly. Do you know? So I kind of liked, I kind of liked the fact that he was a more intimidating more scary bad guy because Miguel Ferrer plays that perfectly and I just he does. I thought he, he, does. I thought he, play, he was great he plays it. it very well I just wonder is he like again it's it's about tone and I think a better director well, maybe could have got more out of this speaking of tone I think Tone Locke went too far the other way who's playing Juice and I think he was a bit too much playing the bad guy in a children's movie type type role you know um, which <laughs> you, I, which you were I, looking I for more like Goodfellas meets yeah, <laughs> yeah, something for. like that. Which is what Miguel Ferrer is going for. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But yeah, to go back to the movie and the thing I love about it, I think you're right in what you're saying, Sinead. I think it would make a fantastic remake for a movie. I think the premise is there um, and, it, and it pays off really well. It could work well. I still enjoy this movie. I think you guys are, you know, whatever. But, uh, <laughs> but, but imagine though, imagine like a kid having a million dollars. Like when you were a kid, 20 quid seemed like a yeah. fortune. Um, like you could you could go from you could literally buy yourself an entire uh, sweet shop like that would be sweet as hell having that 
And um, here's a little breakdown, by the way, of what Preston spends his million dollars on. Um, he by does way, spend he spends... it on some really cool things, I have to say. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, that house, what's going on with that? Yeah, house? who he has that, that house? house? He doesn't well, buy that house for a million dollars. He doesn't. He buys it for three hundred thousand dollars, and it's a kind bullshit. of a castle. Bullshit! I'm calling bullshit. Bullshit film. Do you want to know? Do you want to know interesting fact about that house? Yeah. Um, the castle house. Um, so that's a real house, obviously, and it was. Um, it's it's in Austin, Texas, and it's now owned by the filmmaker Robert Rodriguez. Oh. No way! Yeah, and so I bet he paid a lot more than a million dollars. Well, maybe so, but in the film he gets it for three hundred thousand, and he's actually paying above market value for that, uh, as well as I that don't events. think. I mean, I I don't think that that house was going for that. I'm not sure about property values. <laughs> Listen, in he, needed, he, he needed more to be spent, and so you know they they had to be like right. Well, he spends on the castle, of course, and then a yeah, water you can't slide, spend and then it all. Yeah, yeah. I could understand if he was renting it, you know, for a period of time. But well, see, that's buying what I it. thought he was doing originally. Yeah. But no, yeah. he bought it out, outright, which is... You know, what which happens to the castle then after? Nothing yeah. It about, goes, the FBI happened. take it. Uh, okay. It's a, lock it into yeah. evidence. Yeah. yeah. And then they <laughs> exactly. auction it off. And spend Robert Rodriguez. the winnings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as well as that, he also rents a limo and a driver for yeah. almost a full week. He goes on a shopping spree where he buy, buys all sorts of luxurious clothing, computer games, sporting goods. He buys an entire bucket of Haagen-Dazs ice cream and even a Rolex for his driver, which is really nice. Um, after moving into his, his castle mansion, which we were just talking about, he he has loads of pallets of sweets, soft drinks and stuff like that arriving in, as well as more video games and electronics. He installs a huge water slide. Um, so there's a major uh, change to his house, which comes out of his bedroom and into the pool. He acquires a go-kart track, a bouncy boxing ring, a bouncy bungee jump contraption thing, uh, a Velcro wall, an inflatable lawn bowling set, sumo suits, and a, and even installs a batting cage as well in, in, in the garden. He organizes this huge bash at the end of it all, but after paying the $10,000 deposit, he finds he actually doesn't have enough to pay for, to cover uh, the, the rest of the party. And, and that's, I suppose, when things... Uh, start to fall apart but all in all after his six that's days that's when things start to fall apart <laughs> well so yeah. i think ross you just think if he just had a like an unlimited supply of money this would be a much better film is that it it would certainly work better for him because he was able to spend like that much in six days well he he wasn't quite completely broke after six days of fun he had just over 330 dollars left in his account which that's some going like brewster would be impressed by being able to spend money that quickly i also think that's um, a more realistic like that that you kind of go well that that's a good amount of money for an 11 year old to have in their account mm. you know i think so yeah. yeah um but you know a lot of people point out when they watch this movie that look he couldn't possibly afford everything he gets in the movie for one million dollars uh you're saying even the house alone wouldn't wouldn't make yeah. it yeah i don't know i Maybe there was a property crash or something. Um, because but, but when he got... But the thing is, you want 000. him to have all these things, really. Like, that's yeah. one thing I'll say. You do want him to... And, like, I totally buy into what you're saying, Ross. As a kid, they are totally kid things that you would buy. I mean, mm. who does not want a water slide from their bed straight into the pool? I mean, seriously, yeah. that is just I'll tell you who, who does want them. And I think they obviously are big fans of this movie as well. Whoever is direct, are directing all the lotto ads at the moment... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. having see, water wish, slides wish and fulfillment whatever. that's what this film it is all about you <coughs> you could be pressing with the, with the black. Actually, you could have a water you could that gets us yeah. onto it now 
if you had a million squillion brilliant whatever he has mm. what uh, what would you buy ross what would you what's your first thing well, that you'd buy well just for now, reference. not 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 like no don't give me stable purchases like ridiculous <laughs> i want ridiculous yeah. now well i was actually going to put that question to you guys because <laughs> for reference a million dollars in 1994 is equivalent to one million eight hundred eighty one thousand two hundred fifty five dollars and six cents a day which is oh, I, almost, would, I would have thought it would have been more yeah yeah, yeah. Well, that's play, quite a lot. It's, it's jumped by like 88%. Oh, no, I'm, look, I'm not going to turn it down. Mm. And if you can send it uh, by first post tomorrow, then I'll be happy to take it. But, well, look, uh, I, I know you have no point of reference to that. So in euros, it's it's uh, it's almost 1,660,000 euro. Um, what did I do with it? Um, I would rent for a year or two in Dublin, I guess. <laughs> uh, how about you guys what would you do actually a two-parter question okay um a two-parter question first of all i want to know what you would have spent that money on and as an 11 year old okay and secondly i want to know what you would do with that money now even if it's very responsible okay so if i was the 11 year old preston yeah 100 percent. no no you're 11 year old Sinead. okay uh with this million euro i would have probably bought yeah like loads of sweets like so many sweets i didn't even know what to do it because back then we were only given a treat on a sunday do you know what i mean that was like mm. the only time of the week so definitely loads and loads and loads of sweets um i would have yeah i would have like went to disneyland maybe or somewhere do you know what i mean i did i wouldn't i would be like getting a limo driver i'd be getting like a helicopter or a fucking plane or something and I'm way off to disneyland for like a, a week and I, <laughs> Just mm. spend it all there, you know, because in my mind, 11 year old, you know, Disneyland was the playground that was so far, you know, in a, like removed from my life that I was never going to be able to go there. So 100 percent. That's what was happening. Wow. How about now? Oh, God, I'm investing that shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, come on, Nick. <laughs> doing something boring. <laughs> but that's the whole point, isn't it? You do yeah. something frivolous when you're a child and then something. Yeah. Boring when you're... Invest it. I no, I'd set up a trust for my kids and I'd be like, right, you can touch it when you're late twenties, because I think kids need to know a little bit about what it means to, you know, try and make money. They have to experience yeah, a bit of hardship. Is is that something that's wrong with this film? Is that this doesn't yeah. teach Preston anything about uh, you know, he doesn't learn although I don't think his dad but you see, goes he starts the off right poor, way. doesn't he? You know what I mean? He's not. Well, he's, he's not, not poor. poor. No, like, he's actually I mean, real middle class. Yeah, yeah. Like well, he himself, in, like he's no like. Oh, yeah. he has yeah. no money. Yeah, yeah. But I think the house that they live in is what he could afford for the three hundred thousand, whatever that he pays <laughs> yeah, in the castle. Like, I yeah. mean, it, you know, I know, I know they wanted to go something <laughs> kind of flashy and go look at he spent all this money, you know. Although that house is really out of place as well when you think about it, because it's a residential street, and then there's a castle. You know, it well, doesn't make any sense. Well, Remember that? And and Ed, Edward Scissorhands had like a creepy mansion at the end of a True coloured enough. street. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. How about yourself now? What would you spend a million dollars on? Firstly, um, as an 11 year old. And secondly, as your... I can't remember what it was like self. to be an 11 year old, to be honest with you, or what an 11 year old wanted or what uh, my, my 11 year old self wanted. Um, uh, yeah, I guess uh, Disney, Disney World, maybe yeah. Disneyland would have been something that would have been on my radar and something that would have been so unattainable, completely out of touch <laughs> yeah. and unattainable. Yeah, this yeah. is before you have to remember you had to take a steamer 
to New York back in those days <laughs> to get to get to America. So yeah, but beyond that, I mean, look, I just I'd go to like I, I suppose at eleven I would have gone to would have been Duffy's Toy World. Yes, and I would have just kind of bought everything around me. You know, yeah, it would have been like supermarket sweep. Or that thing that they used to have in the den where you could run around a toy shop and just fill your car. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Certainly something like that. Because the other thing as well back when I was growing up was um, you had no access to, even if you had all this money, you didn't have access to what you might want to buy because you didn't know they existed. That's why the Mm. Late Late Toy Show became so big in Ireland is because it was like, look at all these things you can buy. And it's like, oh, 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 we didn't know about that because all we knew was what was in Duffy's Toy World. Yeah. That's it. It was just Duffy's, wasn't it? Yeah. How about now, now, Niall? Well, to quote another film that maybe I'll do in the uh, in in the spotlight in the future, I would go. What would you do with with your money? A character says, and another character goes, "A, a car, a big shiny silver car, and I'd drive all over Hollywood and I'd show Flugelman a thing or two. What about you?" And then another character says, "New York, maybe Paris, champagne, parties. I'd be a big shot for a while." And what about you, Ned? I'm going to start a foundation to help homeless children. <laughs> and then the other two go, well, that occurred to me too at one point. Yeah, well, I, I would do that first. I mean, before the big shiny car, I would do that. <laughs> What's that in again? That's from The Three Amigos. Hey! Which oh, I, I actually saw on TV. And it's kind of ripped off in Father Ted a little bit because Ted and Dude <laughs> do the same kind of thing. What are you going to do with all your money? Ted? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. That's good. I like it. You could buy, like, as an eleven-year-old, you could buy a hundred million penny sweets. Um, oh my God! Could you imagine? You're interesting. I live one of them and five of them. They did. Yeah, but you, you would, you would have how much the Millennium Falcon would cost to make in actuality. Oh. Uh, and I think I'm low balling here, but uh, I suppose if you were to put it all together and have an onboard nuclear reactor, they reckon the price would be eighteen point two billion. So I maybe look a little bit shy. With my well, it's all right my... because you'll be dead for from early onset diabetes by the time it was finished anyway. But <laughs> with all your sweets. Yeah. Yeah. So we hope you enjoyed our strange journey into Ross's childhood. Um, I'm not sure if I should say go see Blank Check, but maybe... I can say it. We can't. Ross go see should Blank go Check. get don't checked out. Idiots. I don't know. I don't know. Till next think, time. Yeah, Ross has, done, Ross has done a good job in defending it against our slings and arrows but um i think you will from listening to the the episode you will have an idea as if it whether or not it's something that you want to see these guys made it sound like we are watching saw <laughs> don't mind them it's heartwarming it's hilarious it's great go watch it close your eyes for the last five minutes if you're kind of squeamish um, did we great. see the same film what is going on it's great See you at the movies where I'm renting out a screen to show Blank Check and prove to everybody what a terrible film it is. Because I'm a millionaire. <laughs> you don't have to be a millionaire to have a screen. <laughs> anyway. No, well, I'm, I'm keeping a bit of money for myself. I'm not just spending it all on the screen. Why? Sit down and grab a glass. Sinead Ross and Niall have made a podcast. It's the real take, breaking it down, having fun and talking movies. Da 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 da, talking movies. 
You have been listening to The Real Take, presented by Sinead Brassel, Ross Leahy, and Niall O'Brien. Our music was provided by actor, artist, and musician Will Guppy. You can find him on Instagram at will.guppy. And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Real Take Podcast. If you would like to contact us to tell us how fantastic we are, you can reach us at therealtakepodcast at gmail.com. See you at the movies.